0: Good evening. It's uh, episode number 34 of the 97 Octane Hockey
1: Show. Yeah. Happy New Year to you, Mr. Bobby. Happy New Year, Dursa. Always a pleasure talking hockey with you, my friend.
0: You know, um, the L.A. game, I had the pleasure of uh, watching the second and the third with my uncle Shane, who is up from Australia, from down under. Wow. Yeah, and he flew home uh, just before puck drop of the Canucks game, and he arrived home today around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, (laughs) It takes a long time to get to the bottom of the the world, and yeah, it was uh, January 2nd there today.
1: (laughs) Look at that, from the future.
0: Yeah, he's in the future now. Yeah, what did you think? I mean, uh, you know, we talked about the potential of going – and running the table on this California road trip, and the boys actually went ahead and did it.
1: And I and I called it. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to claim myself to be the new Oracle, even though you know I've been right on about 15 percent of the stuff I've been saying, but still, I'll take it. Um, I did think though uh, I was confident in us against San Jose because uh, despite what they all say, there's revenge on the brain. You know that was a, a big turning point in our in our season uh, losing to San to San Jose. Uh, LA, I was actually very confident in because like LA to me right now is a top three team in the NHL, but we had just beaten the number one team in my mind, the Rangers, right? And and we played a very similar, just persistent style. Um, once we got past, you know, LA had us pretty solid first with their one-three-one that we weren't, uh, you know, we weren't breaking. And then all of a sudden, uh, next two periods, we just started hammering through it and, uh, and just simplifying some stuff to, to, to break through it, right? So the game that I was actually worried more, most on that three-game stretch was the Anaheim game. Uh, that's a good trap game, right? So especially if you come off a high, like an emotional high, like that L.A. game, it didn't help that went into a shootout, too, so you get the, the emotions are that much higher. Then you, then you start crashing down to play Anaheim, you know? And, and let's face it, if it wasn't for Stuart Skinner in that first period, that game could have been different.
0: Uh, Calvin Pickard played against the Ducks. Sorry,
1: Calvin, yeah, Pickard, no, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Pickard. Sorry, yeah.
0: <laughs> we got to give uh, Jean Luc Picard a little plug there. He, uh, yeah, no, he did well. Um, <clears throat> I, I have a confession. I was driving home uh, during most of that game. I was with my mom and dad, uh, kind of in La um as the first was kind of going on, and during the second and third, we were making the trek. But uh, the marvels of technology, uh, you can still sort of watch a hockey game on your on your way home. <laughs> Um, I've got like a thing on my dash that goes on my vent where I can have my Telesoptic TV. So I got the, I got the broadcast on the, on the way home. Um, I don't know if you're legally allowed to do
1: that, Dursa. Sheesh.
0: Oops. Um, (laughs) not that, um, you really had to pay too close attention to that. I I think they were sort of in cruise control for most of that hockey game. Um, you know, it looked like they, uh, wanted to finish the job and and, uh, and and we're effective at doing that. I'm just going to check the YouTube chat here. Uh, Mr. Name is wishing us a uh, happy new year.
1: Uh, happy, happy new, new year, year, Name. Um, we looked sluggish in the first period, for sure. We did look like uh, kind of what I expected would happen after that high off LA. Um, we weren't too bad defensively, uh, but we had no offense. It seemed like our forwards had no legs. Our, our breakouts weren't clicking properly. Um Anaheim had something to prove that first period, I think, uh, because I think last time we shellacked them 8-2, to two, if I'm not mistaken. And so they got that on the mind. Uh, Pickard was solid. Uh, I will say this. He had a couple of rebound problems, but he made some big saves. Uh, I thought he had a really good game. And, and he, he's one of the big reasons why uh, him being a solid wasn't the first and us capitalizing on the couple of chances that we did have Ana- uh, against the Ducks. You know, we survived the first period being up even.
0: Yeah, and then and then when we got up on them, it almost looked like it uh, took the wind out of their sails. And and there were, there was parts of that game where they looked actually really disinterested.
1: Well, they're they're a young team, and they're going to be an exciting team. Well, they already are an exciting team to watch. Uh, but they're right now pretty emotional as well, right? So uh, as soon as they get behind the eight ball to a to a strong powerhouse like the Oilers, especially offensively, you could see it. Uh, Kind of sap their energy, be like, ah, oh, crap. Well, I guess we'll wait for the next game, see what we can bounce back from. But they're going to be a fun team to watch uh, in the years to come. they they got some really lots of skill. Um, you know, they're still very young. They're, they're going to be, have they're going to have a big roller coaster up and down type of season here.
0: Do you think there's, uh, some issues with, uh, Trevor Zegers? Um, or he's a conflicted guy. He doesn't know if he's a skill guy or if he needs to be a little bit of an agitator, you know, uh,
1: the issue with the, the issue with Trevor Zegers is he's a kid. That's the issue with him. Uh, he's emotional. And now that he's comfortable in the league, like he's established himself a little bit. I think uh, uh, other teams uh, are also are aware of him. Uh, they have a better idea of how to play him. He's not catching anybody off guard. So he's not able to kind of do the stuff he was doing before. He has to fight through some stuff. And I think he's getting frustrated. Uh, so you see some of that frustration coming through. Because I've actually watched a couple other Ducks games too. And you see that edge to him a little bit now. Or he's getting a little bit pissy, uh, but he's a kid. He'll settle down. He'll get it together. There's still, there's still lots of skill there. He's still a hell of a hockey player, but he's just got to work through the mental side of it.
0: Yeah, I guess like it's probably not fair to compare him to somebody like Connor that's been groomed kind of his whole life to exactly. handle handle the pressure and, and you know the whole situation. Uh, should probably mention too, um, Kirk Morris is going to be a regular with me and Bobby from basically now on. Um, but uh, he's a little bit under the weather, so couldn't make it tonight. Uh, that's the reason why Kirk isn't with us. So we wish him well and hope he uh wow. gets to feel it, better.
1: It, it, I think the stress of that first episode got to him. Probably.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard, it's hard to, on, to keep, keep pace with us,
1: right? He's on strategy right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty,
0: pretty intense guys. Um, so next week, um, well, tomorrow, I guess it is next week already. So tomorrow night they face the Flyers at home and then uh, don't play again until Saturday against the Sens. So it's it's kind of uh, getting eased back into the new year. Uh, but try to follow up, you know, a little bit of a run there on um, with a win against the Flyers, which didn't go in their favor. I think when we were in Philly, I think we dropped the game there to them. Um, I'd probably guess that Carter Hart will get the start for the Flyers, but I haven't really looked.
1: We did. That was that was game four of the season. We lost four to one. Right after mm-hmm. we just killed Nashville, then we uh, we tanked it again against Philly. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think it's interesting to note is when Knobloch uh, decided to and uh, you know, when he caught up a little bit on some games there, he's like, okay, we're gonna break each. We're gonna break the season down into eight game segments, and the goal here is to go if we go five and three in our eight game segments, that uh, should be good enough for us to get the playoffs going. That's that was the kind of the goal, right? So the first eight game segment. Uh, when that happened, we go eight and zero. So that's a pretty good start to the eight game segment.
0: Not too bad, yeah.
1: Not too bad. Not too bad. And then to start the second eight game segment, we lose the first three. Like, oh shit, this is going to get tough to go five and three. And lo and behold, five game winning streak, and here we are at five and three in eight game segment. I mean, uh, there's a lot to be said for, but for narrowing the focus, you know, one game at a time into eight game segments sort or of a thing that's win these segments and carry on to the next one. So we're basically starting from from uh, ground zero again here against Philly which I think, I looked at our next eight games, I know we do play Toronto on the 16th uh, as well, but this is a pretty manageable uh, eight-game segment. Um, having said that, uh, that's also when you get in, into trouble and you start just thinking these are, these are manageable, and like, uh, oh, this is a win here, this is a win there. You still got to, you know, any team can beat anybody on a given night, as it gets said all the time. But on paper, I think our toughest test is this first game. Philadelphia is actually... Having a hell of a season, like like they're they're quietly under the radar here, uh, put together a strong campaign so far, and right now they're doing their damage against the top teams in NHL. They they seem to be stepping up for these uh games. My computer just blacked out. Oh here we go. They seem to be stepping up for these games where uh, uh, against these top teams. So I have them. I went back on their record, and they are right now eight and four, so a winning percentage of sixty seven percent. Uh, against the top 10 teams in h l NHL when they're top 10 at to that time. That's one of the best in the league. So th- this, is, this is a team that, uh, you know, you definitely can't sleep on. And I think on paper, uh, including the Toronto game, I think Philly right now is probably our toughest test on paper this next eight-game stretch.
0: So as the Oracle, did you put any money on them running the table and Warren Fogle getting five points uh, yesterday? <laughs>
1: so right off the bat, Warren Fogle, oh my goodness, right? So uh, that's his best game as an Oiler, hands down. Uh, I was gonna say that's probably his best game in the league, but I noticed that the the cult of hockey mentioned that he actually had a seven seven point night uh, at one point. Not mm-hmm. as an Oiler, I don't think, but maybe in Carolina, yeah, for a one off. But let's face it, the like key was noticeable. Like that is the best game I've seen him play. I've noticed an uptick in his game all season, especially with his skating. I mean, there's times you, you're almost mistaking him for Connor with the 37, the 97, and just some of the wheels he's been, he's been showing. Yeah, he gets a little snake better on the net at times, uh, showing that he's probably, uh, you know, a third-line player. But then he does stuff like this, where he has a 5.9, and he is just – every time he's on the ice, it was a high danger scoring chance. And, yeah. uh, like, it was just imp- – that, that line, that line is so impressive to watch right now.
0: Yeah, it's working. Like, um, and I don't see how you like. I know Evander Kane might not be happy where he's playing, but I don't see how you make make a change yeah, that, right now. It's it's rolling.
1: And then when you, you say that, and I agree, uh, he probably isn't. But uh, like, he scores, right? So so he, he <laughs> scores a goal. Well, I think that's. So three of our four lines are clicking really well. Like our fourth line is strong as well. Obviously, you know McDavid, and then the the dry saddle line has been like a number one, our best line here last couple nights. Um, Our only line right now is that Ryan Kane, um, what's his face? Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Mark line. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the thing is, I think we're. I think they're asking. Kane to carry that line and and I think that's that's the problem because Kane is a great hockey player he totally is but he's not Mm -hmm. a carry a line great hockey player like he's a guy who does his best work when he's in sync with his teammates and he also reads off them and feeds off them right that's when he does all his damage
0: he needs a quality quality center is what he needs like
1: so Derek Ryan I think I think we're getting the most out of Derek Ryan that we're gonna get and that's not a bad thing he is playing really good I mean uh, especially that like that LA game, that la game was his best game in the series uh, of the season so far. So Derek Ryan I think is maxed out of what he can give us. Janmark is a guy that I think is that bridge between uh Kane and uh, uh and Ryan. Um I think there's times where Janmark who I think is, is playing really well defensively uh I think he has none more to give offensively I'm not necessarily saying points but even just generating chances and stuff. I think there's a couple of times where He's losing some puck battles or, uh, you know, dumping it in too quickly at, at times as well, um, where I think we can get a little bit more out of him, of him there. And that's not saying he's playing bad. He has played well. I just think he's kind of the key component on that line that might be able to balance things out a bit more, to be that bridge between Kane and Ryan.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Um, do you think uh, Evan Bouchard is going to put himself in the conversation to be an all-star?
1: Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He is, and and I wouldn't be surprised neither that by the time this year is done, uh, he's in the conversation for the Norris. Um, like, uh, and I, and I'm not saying that like, he'll be like a nominee or anything like that, but he'll be in the conversation. Um, I think his defensive game has gotten better, um, mm-hmm. his, but his upside, uh, his strength, obviously, is, is his offense and just you know what he does with the puck, especially on the other side of the center. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's one of the best in the league. Like it's on par of what. Uh, what Makar and, and Quinn Hughes are doing with the puck, you know, not with the leg speed, but just the the, the decision-making and the passing, you know, when to shoot, when to pass, that kind of stuff. It's on par with those guys for sure. Um, so yeah, he'll be in the conversation. That's, absolutely.
0: What do you think of Dowdy getting upset over every single thing that ever happens on the ice?
1: <laughs> so, I was watching this game with, with some friends as well. So it's amazing what happens when, when you build a rivalry. So, For me, I was a big Jonathan Quick fan. I was. He was one of my favorite goalies to watch. Uh, I loved his athletic style. It reminded me a lot of Mike Richter back in the day, and I loved him too. And until we played them in the playoffs, then I hated the guy because he was stymieing us with exactly the kind of style that I I loved about him. Now he was stymieing us with that. So part and parcel, Drew Doughty. I liked Drew Doughty before, especially... On the Kane Olympic team. I love the way he played there. Like, he had good chemistry. He seemed to be getting along with all the guys. He just seemed like a team guy. Then we start playing against him in the playoffs. And he is just that dick. And now he's a whiny dick. And he is everything that I can't stand watching. Because he was, yeah, he was bitching at every call. Like, every missed, potentially missed call. Every call that happened. Just bitching all the time. But seriously, in the end... If he was an order, wouldn't we wouldn't
0: we be loving him? Yeah, he's still a smooth skating, you know, um, guy that really likes to be in it. You know what I mean? Like he's <laughs> never misses a chance to get in a little bit extra, and and yeah, he'll take some penalties, but he's he's not a fool out there either, and he and he loves to get under people's skin and and <laughs> work officials. And the, i I got nothing, I got I got
1: nothing against that. That's you know who he reminds? He you know? should play. He reminds me of Darcy Tucker, and it, Darcy Tucker was now? was that type. Yeah, was that type of forward, right? So he was a guy who was so emotionally invested out there all the time, always chirping, always you know playing hard. And on the bench, he's chirping. And I always thought Darcy Tucker's got to be one of the most exhausted individuals after a game because he lays it <laughs> all out there emotionally, physically, you know, mentally. And Doughty is that type of player uh, for the Kings.
0: Yeah, I guess if you want to draw, draw an Euler's equivalent, he's uh, Ryan Smith in J.S. Jaguar's kitchen as a D-man.
1: <laughs> oh man, oh that's a flashback! Hey, eh? yeah, like Jaguar. Oh my goodness, just seeing the back ninety-four the whole time. Yeah, that was that's fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think what did he make him like nineteen minutes in penalties or something? He just he just erupted there and yeah, and
1: what'd, I don't know. What do you think of what do you think of Ecton's little? Uh, little scuffle there
0: a little a little how you going yeah i thought Strom actually <laughs> did well against a pretty big man um in in there but yeah you know you don't normally have swedes on your bingo card for who's gonna scrap tonight and so you know and and kind of in a game like that you you'd expect it to be fringe players or nurse or something but uh i'd I love to see Ekholm get after it i I got nothing wrong with that.
1: In it's my bound book. to happen because Ekholm plays with that kind of edge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was not surprised to hear that. I think Jack Michael says that was Ekholm's fourth career NHL fight, he's been in the league for a, quite a long time.
0: Yeah, he um, was. He was listing off the guys there. Um,
1: yeah, I don't think any of them were slouches, but Strom actually does drop the gloves quite a bit. Uh, he, fought,
0: he fought Corey Perry too. I I, I enjoyed that. I'd like to. Yeah. I should probably have a look
1: at that one. So yeah, like he's he's a middleweight, but he actually drops us quite a bit. So uh, he did he did good. In fact, he was winning the fight until Ekholm switched hands, and then got laid a couple of big ones on uh, towards the end. But there for a while, Ekholm's like, "Oh man, like quit, quit turning your back on the guy. Like you're getting pummeled here." So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I liked it. I like the emotion. I think it was good for the Oilers to have the, that emotion in that game because, in all honesty, the game itself was was becoming a sleeper. And that would have been one where you kind of take the foot off the gas and kind of close to the rest and you know let let's wait to let's wait till we go home and play philly that this, this kind of edge kept them invested in that game and you know kept them going kept them pressing and it just had a better feel to it
0: any any like notion of a comeback I think with Anaheim uh, got put to bed when when Hyman scored and and it just ratcheted up again and yeah they didn't look back.
1: Yeah, and Hyman was pretty pedestrian in the LA game, so it was uh, like he didn't play bad, but he was, you know, just so-so. And he, he and he came off a couple of really, uh, really good games before that, like elite L.A. game. So it was nice to see him bounce back. I thought he played really good in the Anaheim game.
0: Yeah, you kind of like my thought process is whether well, they're going to miss Kane in, in a game against LA, but it never really was that type of game. It, it was it was more of a hockey game and less of a you know a, a street fight and. um it
1: was thought, a heavy game though. That yeah, other game was
0: a heavy game. Yeah. I mean, there was some stuff going on for sure, but you know, it wasn't really that whole street fight, but it was a good hockey game. Um mm-hmm. but it was, it was like watching the playoffs again. I mean, LA's system structure does not waver one bit. Like they 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 don't deviate from that trap or 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 anything, right?
1: But well, why would of- you? Like When you're getting that kind of success, like I said, I, I think right now they're a top three team in the NHL. Uh, why would you change it? And, and they had the Oilers stymied there in that first period. And yeah. like, the orders had a tough time slugging through that swamp. They really did. And then the Oilers simplified things to to break through it and capitalize on some chances. But I don't blame LA for not changing it because it's been working for them.
0: Yeah. And the, <clears throat> Edmonton learned to get more pa- be more patient. Like, you don't have to hurry to get out of your end. You've got all day. So be methodical about it. And, you know, once once they clued into that, they, I think that, that started to take over. I remember the one series where Bouchard, he was in front of our Ar- net, and and he was almost in line with the circles, but kind of in the middle of the ice, and he just sat there for a while because there was no forecheck coming and, and just waited to make a play.
1: Yeah, like some strangers saying, There's a, they're a good defensive team, LA is, and, and they are and, but this is what they've been getting success from because it was just a couple of years ago where LA was supposed to be, you know, rebuilding at this point. Like their core group was, uh, uh, was getting older now and that sort of stuff. Um, but yet, uh, you know, they changed their system up a bit. McKellen got them doing this one, three, one, and you got to skate through a swamp to get there. And, you know, Dowdy's having resurgence here the last couple of years too. Like they are still, they are, like I said, they're, they're an elite team right now in the NHL.
0: This is this is a pretty neat comment here from Slappy Waggle. We'll touch on it for a second. He says, uh, "Friends with some LA fans chatted with one after the game. Mentioned Doughty and the constant complaining. Even he agreed he needs to shut his mouth and play. Except that'll never happen. That that's Drew Doughty's game. Like he yeah. he he works everything, officials, other players, <laughs> himself. It, it's that's his... I don't
1: I don't think you want him to change that. Yeah, like it looks like he's a baby out there and that sort of stuff. But that's that's Drew Doughty being invested in that game. And, and that seems to bring out the best in Drew Doughty. And the best in Drew Doughty is still a very high caliber defenseman in this NHL. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I uh, it w- uh, it wouldn't hurt my feelings to have him on our blue line either. I- I'm with you there. I think he's still a pretty effective player. So, how player about
1: Cam sure? Talbot? Cam Talbot's having a great season. Yeah. Really great season. Uh, and he didn't play bad against us. But here's. Nope. Here's my pet peeve again with the with the modern style of goaltending. So you saw the McDavid goal. We all saw McDavid goal. I mean, it, you know, it's the number one highlight now of the week here again. McDavid's goal, where he, from that ridiculous angle he he banks it off Talbot's head and him. Um, he just tried that seconds ago, like before that, like maybe not even a minute ago. He tried that same thing, and and didn't make it. And now he goes back, and Talbot goes in the same position, and McDavid makes it work. My my pet peeve here is this is how the new style of goaltending is. It's all about analytics. It's all about, you know, that kind of percentages of where the shots are going to go. And you take away as much from that angle, you shouldn't be able to make that shot. Okay, that's fine. That's fine if you're Derek Ryan. You know, that's (laughs) fine if, you know, uh, if you're even Ryan McLeod. That's fine. You play the angles that way. You do not play superstars the same way as you play everybody else. You you have to recognize who that guy is. Like you don't play McDavid that way, Drysdale that way, Matthews that way, like like Crosby that way. You wouldn't do it. Like you shouldn't do it. These are the guys. They're great for a reason. They're gonna they're gonna expose the holes that you give them. So you got to change oh, I, it up for them.
0: I'm glad you brought this up because I want to drill down on what you're saying a little bit more. And and my thought process is: What benefit do you gain being on in the butterfly there? When the puck's at an impossible angle, versus being, you know, standing up, hugging your post, and having your shoulder up against, and and totally shutting off that side, like what well, do you actually gain by being okay. in your butterfly there?
1: The theory there is that uh, most players from that are, number one aren't gonna, aren't going to be able to snipe that up there. So if you go down and you know you're supposed to be shoulders high, they'll try to cover as much tops in that as well. Uh, if you go down you're covering every hole down at the bottom Mm -hmm. and most players here are either going to try and go five hole or they're playing for a rebound or they're or they're shoveling up in front and you're hoping it goes off a skate or a stick and in so if you're covering uh, as much bottom surface as possible that limits those chances right that's fine yeah but you can't you don't do that against guys that can snipe up here yeah, I, here. I
0: still, I still don't understand the theology. Like to me, if you're hugging that post and you've taken away everything on that line, then they have to come, you know, to to get more ice, and they have to move. So then you you adjust from there. That's all they have is that little spot, and you, you're giving it to them. You're saying, okay, hit this. Well, there's guys in the NHL that can hit it. So yeah. I th- I th- I think that
1: you know the elite can that, hit it but there's more guys there's more yeah. guys from that angle that will try and shoot 5 full. So if you're standing you automatically start giving you a five a little bit cuz you can't think, just have your pads together from that angle cuz then you're I exposing a quick shot to the far side. Yeah, yeah, I
0: think when it comes to the Oilers there's three guys that can hit it on a regular basis that
1: are forwards anyway. Well, McDavid, Drysettle, well, who's who's the third guy you think? Nuge. Yeah. Yeah, but I was like, I I don't put Nuge in that elite level, right? Sort of thing. Like he's got, for him to I make do. that shot, he yeah, he actually takes more of a wind up for, with his wrist shot than than I, that yeah. little shit chip shot that these boys can do. But yeah, no, he could I, hit it. I I, he, I you could argue that every person in the NHL could hit it eventually. Oh yeah, they're, I they're I, I think up. most
0: I think those three can hit it on a high high percentage, and you better mm-hmm. adjust the way you play, otherwise you're going to get burnt, like you yeah. have been.
1: But that's. That's why I don't understand. Like even like a guy like Zeger, like he gets away with that uh, lacrosse goal because the goalie are down on that in that position to try. You know wrap rounds. Uh, ideally, are you you know they usually come down low. Right? But he scoops it up and, and fires in the top corner. You're down that position already. I I've never understood why a goalie is down when the puck is behind the net. That one always gets to me. And you know maybe when you come across, sometimes you go down because you're you're faster to come across. But you, again, you have to recognize who the player is that has the puck. You can't play everybody the same way. That's my biggest beef about this modern goaltending and the modern goalie coaches is it's all a cookie cutter type type of uh, goaltending style. We don't we don't have as much. No longer are we coaching individual goalies. We are coaching a goalie system.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and a, u- a universal goalie system. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and that you, yeah, like you, every athlete is different. You're already in the NHL. So you are already an elite goalie. There's no need to, you know, to change the wheel kind of thing, right? Sort of thing, to reinvent the wheel. There's, there's no need to do that. You, you tweak stuff and you work on the mental side of stuff and you start, uh, you know, keeping a book kind of thing or tally on other players, especially the elite in the league, and then you adjust to them.
0: That, uh, that whole theology you're talking about there, you know, the universal goalie system is probably the reason the kid that's uh, been playing uh, for Team Canada wasn't drafted because he doesn't fit that universal goalie system because of his height and yeah, you know, it's, it's not
1: always it's not always height based it's more style based but you know but you're not wrong though because uh, you know every every guy you know nowadays you're looking for the bigger goalies like what is Saro Sorrow's like 5'11 he's considered a small goalie in the NHL mm-hmm. like I remember the days of uh, you know uh, Alan Vester at 5'4 like that sort of stuff and, and, yeah. and what have you I mean,
0: even Fury—you want to list him as five eights, That's what his skates on. So you know, yeah. like, not a big guy.
1: And that—and that's just—that's the evolution of the position. That's the evolution of hockey, and, uh, and that's just the way it goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, it's that cookie cutter style which I disagree with. And I, and when I did my research on goalie coaches, mind you, this is now about five years ago. But out of the thirty-two teams in NHL, there was at least twenty—I want to say twenty-two—get the number what was. Uh, goaltending coaches that came from the new style of goaltending and dustin Schwartz is one of them and i and you know we all know that i have a beef with dustin Schwartz being a, being a goalie coach
0: <laughs> you don't say but in that.
1: all honesty uh you know we could let him go and i'd be like finally and then we'll probably end up hiring another guy from that same style of goaltending so it's like wow what are we really yeah. accomplishing at this point yeah
0: we swapped out a clone <laughs> yeah yeah. I, and you know this universal goalie style that we we're talking about too. I, I think they want guys that can be down in full butterfly and still um, catch catch a shot that's going top corner glove hand. You know, like that's how big they want them to be, um, mm-hmm. without having to get up. So,
1: in a perfect world, but mm-hmm. like there's a reason why the elite goalies we have are elite because uh, you know they 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 adapt their styles and a lot of these guys too, uh, they won't be, they won't be micromanaged. Like um, you got a guy like Vasilevsky who, who's been doing this now for years, has been at the top of the game for years. Like there's nothing you can say to him to say, Hey, I want you to start doing this all the time. What? No, like this is, this is more so for all those guys that are, you know, four to five years in the league and under that are still, you know, Trying to establish to be one of those elite goalies where these kind of goalie coaches still have that kind of influence where they go, okay, well, if you want to be this elite, you got to play this style and they'll try it and, and see what happens. But I've never seen the game at a point where so many goalies play the same style. Now, I remember when Patrick Waugh and well, it wasn't Patrick Waugh so much, but like the, the goalie coach, uh, Allaire, uh, you know, in, introduced the uh, the butterfly to Patrick Waugh. And of course, Patrick Waugh being the goalie that he was, that's everybody associates him with bringing in the butterfly. You got to give credit where credit is due. And that was his goalie coach, Alaire who introduced that to Patrick. But because of the success Patrick was having, uh, every goalie started playing the butterfly, every, mm. every goalie. And to some degree, there was a, there's a brief span in the nineties where that was the only style that was being played. And you kind of had a similar effect going where, okay, every goalie is not a butterfly goalie. And, uh, so there's always been that kind of moments in the game, but I've never seen it to that uh, to the extent that there is in today's game, where besides maybe your top ten AHL goalies, the rest are all playing the same style. Um, whether, whether it suits their game or not, they're playing the same style because they're getting told to do it because analytics show that's where the puck goes in this certain situation.
0: You you were on the highway today, so I don't know if you
1: caught any of it, but did you did you see any of the women's game? I did not, but I. I am pumped for it. I really am. Uh, I'm going to watch tomorrow's game, the Montreal game, but I, I, I didn't watch uh, today's game at
0: no. Well, today's game, it, it felt a little bit like a preseason game. Like passes okay. weren't quite in sync and, and a little bit disorganized. And I, if I was coaching, I would get them spread out a little bit more. It looked like a little bit of a minor hockey game where there's the puck and then there's everybody around the puck and okay. and, and, and a little of that. But as that game went on, like at first, you know, I think, Girls were happy. They were making history. It was, you know, everybody was excited to just just be a part of a, of a women's professional game. Um, but as that thing went on, and I watched the first period, and then I left, and then I came back. But uh, when I came back, I mean, it was, it was like you were throwing Edmonton against Calgary with Talbot in the middle of <laughs> Mike Smith. I mean, the hate level just ratcheted way up. And, uh, the physicality w- was there, um, supposedly can't quite body check, but there was a lot of contact and, uh, yeah. So, uh, the Toronto team kind of got worked. I think it was four or five, nothing, but, um, yeah, it, uh, I think it's going to be all right. Um, I yeah. like the rinks that they're using because it, it seems to fit. Like it's a little bit. You've been in the Crystal Center here in Grand Prairie. It's about twice the size of that, so maybe like oh. the Centrium and Red Deer kind of size facilities <laughs> that they're playing in. Um, but good crowd, and yeah, it uh, it's not a bad product. I uh, I enjoyed kind of watching it, um, and I think it's only going to get better as 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 they go on. So. And it's nice to see that there's something out there for them and there is, um, yeah. ho- hopefully that can grow. Um, and the timing today I thought was a little bit curious, but then looking around there, uh, World Juniors I think was on pause today and, and uh, so it worked out good um, for them. Well,
1: yeah, and, you, you had the, uh, you had the outdoor game. That was the only other really hockey action going on today. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I think, I think <laughs> it was pretty much over before that started. So it didn't really, uh, compete compete with it um and i like the accessibility like uh, there's reporters behind the bench talking to coaches and players and, and and stuff like that so um yeah, yeah i i wish them the best and i i hope it uh, kind of flourishes and and you get to see some exciting ho- hockey and it uh only grows and builds
1: i agree I, I i think it's due i mean they've tried some smaller versions of this down the line but now you have you know uh you know, these big powers that be to come together and it seems to be like a, a joint unison kind of thing where they're all focused uh, on this league. And so already that's, that's promising. I was very excited to hear they were going to do it because that there's, there are so many good women hockey players from all over the world right now that, that the game has grown on that level that they need that kind of outlet where it's just not international matches. Right. Uh, like it's nice. You're going to build that rivalry, like like you said. Uh, it was, that's great to hear. That there's you know, there was some hatred going on in the game because you're going to need that rivalry intensity thing to help grow the game. Even because I saw Terry Jones uh, tweeted there even something like, uh, yeah, I mean he was happy for the girls to have this game, but there's he didn't feel invested yet because it's it's not like nation against nation, right? Yeah. And uh, that's gonna that's gonna come with time because we're just we're just learning these teams uh i one guy commented back to terry though he said do you feel invested in a you know uh arizona against you, you know Seattle game?" Right. so right so it's kind of the same thing i i hope nothing for success i will be following that league because i'm i'm excited to see where where it goes i've already uh picked montreal to be the team that i'm going to be cheering for uh, <laughs> looking at their looking at the lineup i'm like ah this is the team that i'm that i'm going to pick to root for yeah.
0: That's interesting you bring that up because uh, I'm watching you know Toronto against New York and I, and I start thinking so does Toronto already have people that hate them because of the Leafs
1: <laughs> like the, like
0: do they start they start on uh, you know behind the eight ball right off the bat is is that how this is going to go I I kind of <laughs> I was kind of thinking that right off the bat I, but you know I'm watching Sarah Nurse and and um um. Spooner and, you know, their captain, uh, Turnbull. And, and it's like, you know, this is partial Team Canada women's hockey here. So,
1: uh, you know. There's you know. a lot of them out there. There's a lot from the American side and there's a lot from overseas as well. Like, so it, it truly is, uh, you know, the NHL version of the women's game right now because you have all these international players going and you're all playing together. And then when the time comes to tournaments, you go represent your country, right? So, so yeah, like this can only help grow the game. It can also only help uh, grow the skill level uh, develop the players. It's going to be, you know, you're going to have more um, scheduled practices and games and stuff like that, more outlets uh, to grow as, as a player. Whereas before you're like what you were practicing here and there playing in some dinky women's league that you're going on right now. And then, and then the big ones were the international stuff, right? That's where it all came to, came to flourish. So I, I hope this takes off. I hope this does well. Uh, I'll be following it. Absolutely.
0: Um, where are you at with our world junior team? What do you, what are your thoughts there?
1: Well, it's kind of what, when we did our preview, uh, team, it's it, our, our show. It's, it's actually been very consistent with that. Um, even though we have like 10 first round draft picks, including, uh, you know, two that were in the top 10, it is very much a blue collar team. Um, you know, besides that, uh, Besides the one flashy kid there, oh, oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Um, there the rest is all kind of more more uh, more blue collar. Um, you know, we'll create our own space, pass it around, jam the net, and that sort of stuff. Um, and and that's fine. That has potential. Sweden looks tough though. Like Sweden has not just skill, but they have depth and goaltending. And to me, right now, they look like a team to beat. Now, having said that, all these things just go to like. Anything can happen in one game, and that's all they do is play one game, right? So if it's a seven-game series, I'd probably pick Sweden. But in a one-game series, who knows? Frickin' uh, Germany beats Finland. Finland was one of the favorites this year. Germany beats them, and then they lose to Latvia. Like, it's just ridiculous. One game, that's all it takes.
0: It's funny. Before we fired up, I think, like, about 8 o'clock, I was testing kind of a couple things here, and there was a message in the chat that at 9 o'clock, we should have went on at eight because at nine was got your back with Rashog, and uh, <laughs> I gotta say, you know, we've had pretty good viewership so far, so maybe Rashog should have went on at eight. And <laughs> <laughs> we we had no choice; I had to wait for you to get home. So,
1: well, I, I was gonna say that. So, for the record, it will it will usually be eight thirty. Uh, not, yeah, I was driving today and I I couldn't commit to Dursa that I'd be home and, you know for eight or eight thirty kind sort of thing. So. I appreciate you pushing at the nine so I can make it. And I I literally walk in the door at my place at eight thirty after a seven <laughs> hour drive today. So
0: Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. Going on a little bit later right now is probably not a bad thing. I mean, people are on holidays and those people out east that that are gonna watch, um, they can watch or they can skip us and <laughs> we won't be offended. It's just good um, for
1: consistency too. If we keep the same time then yeah. people kinda expect, you know, you know, Mondays eight thirty is when uh yeah. When it orders, on, or when an ice of Noctine is on. So,
0: Yeah, the um, heavy hockey showdown's coming up. I um, should probably give that a bit of a mention. Uh, that's, I think, September 25th or 24th, or February, February 24th, sorry. February September. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got on the ice yesterday and. I saw- uh, Went for a twirl and my first stride with my right foot. I felt like almost like a quarter being embedded in the middle of my knee. Um, so I didn't really push off very hard. <laughs> um, I got around, but I'm going to have to uh do some stuff between now and then so I can <laughs> be a little bit more effective than uh gliding like I'm 70 years old out there.
1: You're not 18 anymore, so Yeah, I know, I know.
0: A five three five and Advil, yeah, extra strength will be probably. That's okay, buddy. If if you you need,
1: if you need me to carry the team again this year, I can do it again.
0: (laughs) Well, I have to live up to last year where I got an assist on the first shift. I mean, Glenn Hamilton, (laughs) I think, did most of the work there, but uh, (laughs) right, right out of the gate, I think the puck went into our end and then we collected it and went the other way, and yeah.
1: That uh, was a good time last year. Really looking forward to this year, and for an absolutely great cause again—the Sexual Assault Center here in Edmonton. Um, so uh, they were very appreciative of us, uh, and I, I think we'll we'll surpass the numbers we did last year. Um, and then uh, just even just to go out there and have a good time and to meet everybody face to face, like we talk all the time online, uh, you know, with the whole network, and even just you know uh, regular Oiler fans that are, that tuning in and that sort of stuff. It's always good to get face-to-face contact and shake some hands and talk some hockey.
0: Yeah, it's it's filling up quite fast if you still want to play. Um, if you go onto Twitter under mine or um, Bob's or Oilers Live or basically anybody from Heavy Hockey, we we've yeah. probably tweeted out something that'll have uh, kind of the – registration uh, link but next next week if it isn't full by then um i'll get a qr code that i can put on here and and people can scan it and uh get get registered it's it's a lot of fun i think it's just over a hundred dollars to register to play and kind of the thing that we're trying to do is get people to raise at least three hundred dollars for sace um as part of it as well and then you know we play this game and i believe this year it's going to be against the edmonton sports talk guys um which i don't know for sure who's all playing but i would assume it's probably dustin nielsen tom gazzola good chance walking gage will be a uh, part of their crew um it, it wouldn't surprise me if strudwick joined them too i i don't know that for sure but uh i, I could definitely see that happening and yeah and then they'll probably get some of the six o'clockers uh <laughs> as part of their um as part of their team too, I, I don't exactly know how we do it this year like we used to uh, Oilers live like Michael Hebert and myself would ho- have a draft and and yeah. uh, I think I've always yeah, got the second laugh I got the second
1: I, laugh last, I, last year <laughs> wow.
0: I think I've al- I think I've always got the first overall pick somehow and and uh, yeah and and yeah it doesn't always work in my favor though last um, year. Yeah, it did last year. We got the trophy downstairs, um, so I'll have to remember to bring that for sure. <sighs> and I think the Monday before that, uh, probably have to have another beer out of that thing before I bring it back.
1: <laughs> nice, I like it.
0: <laughs> oh, so that,
1: we're... that'll be fun. Yeah, I haven't posted. I have posted the uh, the invite out, but uh, uh, you know, to to do that uh, raising for three hundred dollars, or I haven't, you know, I haven't yeah. set that up for myself. So yeah, I got it. Definitely a good
0: goal, of mine. I got to get on that tomorrow too, yeah. Yeah. Um And then we're going to the Oilers game too,
1: eh? Oilers and Flames that
0: weekend? Yes, the Oilers and Flames this Saturday before, so a uh, little Battle of Alberta. Um hopefully by that time we're uh, leapfrog them in the standings uh, and <laughs> in a better spot. I mean, we're starting to come around and and uh playing pretty good hockey. Um I like our chances of, uh, you know, not only getting into a wild card position, but maybe taking out one of the big three, you know, either Vancouver or Vegas.
1: Um, we have, I think we still have like uh, at least a game in hand, and most of the people on top of us, if not two to three on on, on the majority of them. Yeah. Uh, that goes in favor. But I saw even today like uh, Puckpedia uh, came out with their, you know, Stanley Cup. Um, Tracking, sort of thing, and right now the, the orders were sitting like seventh overall in as a Stanley yeah. Cup favorite, and we're not even officially in a playoff position yet.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, there's the Vegas, way it's trending. Ve- Vegas kind of got beat around in that outdoor game today, um, they? Have- which which does not hurt my feelings at all. No, no. I can't remember who was saying it, but they were they were thinking that you know the Oilers could leapfrog them or Vancouver, but they don't think they'll catch LA.
1: I think it's Vancouver that has uh, those three teams that has the the biggest uh, chance of dropping. Um, I do think like obviously Quinn Hughes is right now playing on par with Kale McCart, pretty much. Um, maybe that's who Quinn Hughes is now. I mean he had he's he's had that potential for a while. I do think Thatcher Demko is probably the best goalie in the world at, at the moment uh but for a guy like Brock Besser is you know he's playing out of his mind he's having yeah. a career already and the season's like a quarter of the way through can he sustain that you know can their death sustain that that they, they, they do have a lot of potential areas that uh they where they can drop off so i think the concept of that one team that if they start faltering a bit they could do a, a drastic drop i think they'll be a playoff team but you know not necessarily be a top 3 team that's the one team that i think the orders could leapfrog yet to get into. uh out of a wild card spot and into one of the top three spots.
0: I think too, before we close, uh the last time I think you were preaching some patience with Rodrig and Kirk was wanting to get him up here for this California trip. Um I think I think they are gonna just keep with the status quo here for a little bit. Um uh from what I was getting last night um from I think I was listening to Reed and, and Rob on, on the on the way home after the game kind of ended. Um it kind of would send a message to Calvin Pickard. I mean, he's been doing what you've asked of him. Um, you know, so why bring up, why bring up Rod right now? I don't, I, I just, I don't think they do that. I think they keep doing what they're doing and they might give him a look before the deadline just to know where they're at. Like, I don't see a goalie trade actually happening until the trade
1: deadline. Well, here's the thing. Pickard's play has quieted that talk a bit because Pickard's played well so it's now uh, six appearances for him I think and uh, and five of them have been you know uh, really good to great like he shit the bed in the Florida game and we lost five to one like that, that was a bad one uh, but other than that he's been you know more than solid so I think that's quieted down the talk I, I do still think we need an upgrade in goaltending uh, because I'm not totally 100% confident that Pickard can sustain this he is a career backup slash minor league goalie And so now all of a sudden, do we expect him to start carrying, you know, regular backup duty uh, load? Not sure. Maybe he can. Not sure. But right now, Skinner is playing, you know, some of the best hockey he's played uh, all season, if not career-wise. Pickard's been steady uh, in backup when we needed him to be. Rodriguez is having a hell of a stretch right now in Bakersfield. Uh, You know, really pushing the envelope, going, uh, turning a lot of heads. I still do want to see Rodriguez called up for like a one, two game kind of spell. Let's let's see what we got there. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I did preach patience. Uh, and for me, it'd be more like, let's wait till, let's get him two weeks, three weeks here as a starter, a genuine starter, and see if he if he's sustaining what he's already doing before we start going, Oh, let's throw him in front of NHL shooters. Right? Especially since right now, status quo, we're doing okay in that. I mean, yeah, we're kind of walking on thin ice to like, we never know when that next skate's going to drop, kind of you know that sort of stuff. But right now we're good. There's no need to force anything.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Once we get past the Florida Florida juggernaut goalies, uh, <laughs> we do okay. <laughs> you know, back to back with um, Vasilevsky and and Bobrovsky having good games against us. Yeah, and
1: Sorokin <clears throat> for that matter yeah. too. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Then they get in a groove. Um. Where, where are you at with this team? What, what do you think? You, do you think they're still kind of what we were hoping for in in the summer? Like, are, well, are we there? Are we there, or are there things that you still want to see that uh, need to improve, or, or
1: what do you? We're think? We're on our, like, our way there. We're on our uh, way there. I uh, saw so when we looked at the roster at the beginning of the season, when as most people did. With this roster, most people had them as Stanley Cup contenders, if not champions or if not in the final, but at least Stanley Cup contenders for sure. And that was before any changes have been made. So we looked at this lineup and we saw Jack Campbell. We saw Connor Brown. You know, we we saw these guys on the roster going, we have a chance of the cup with these guys. Um, Now, Jack Campbell obviously shit the bed, uh, you know, that that's that's the big in my mind. That's the biggest black mark of Ken Holland's GM uh, stretch. And unfortunately, it's probably overshadowing everything good he's done for us. And I think he's made our team better since he's been here, Jack Campbell notwithstanding. And Connor Brown hasn't done anything that nobody expected to see this from Connor Brown. Nobody expected him to be sitting at was he at two or three assists now. Nobody expected to see this at the thirty game mark of Connor Brown. People hadn't penciled him for twenty goals, you know, at least fifteen, that, that sort of stuff, and. It hasn't happened. So we haven't seen any offense from Connor Brown. So that could still happen. Uh, you know, our goal is finally coming around. So now the question mark is, can we sustain that with with uh, Skinner and Pickard? If we can, we're okay. I still would like to see an upgrade on our third pairing, D. Uh, mm-hmm. I do like Dave Harnay, but I do think he is a weak link on the back end. To me, he's more of a specialized D-man. Really solid in the penalty kill. I don't trust him so much five-on-five. Five. He has his moments, for sure. But his, his definite strength is on the penalty kill. I could see, I could see you know, getting another third guy, uh, third-pairing guy would be nice. Um, you are limited with a lot of the cap stuff, too, that you're dealing with. You're going to ask for people to retain salary, and, and I don't think Holland wants to give up any more draft picks if he doesn't have to. We've, we've given up quite a bit here in the, in the last little while. So I... I don't think we're there yet. I think the capability is there. We're trending in the right direction, but we still, yeah, we can still make some changes. I, what you touched on before about the trade deadline, I think that's what we're kind of waiting on. I don't think we'll see much happening for the trade deadline because I think we have a team right now good enough to make the playoffs, but for us to do damage in the playoffs, you're going to see us make a couple moves.
0: It would be interesting to have that full $5 million that you're spending on Jack Campbell to play in Bakersfield to spend on anything else.
1: It is what it is. So,
0: yeah, that's the bed that was you, made.
1: You know, what I mean,
0: you know what I mean? If you could yeah. shut that off and, and allocate that money to something else, I mean, whether that's a defenseman, another forward, um, that would yeah.
1: help. <laughs> and then next year, like again, like so, yeah, the uh, the cap goes up next year, but we will still be carrying yeah. Canvas contract. The incentive that Brown, uh, you know, hit, that's going to go on against next year's cap. So, mm. And then we got to talk about Leon's contract. So, we're we'll be tight against the cap right off the bat again just to begin yeah. next year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, luckily Leon's under contract for one more year after this, but yeah, <laughs> then it gets uh then it gets gets a little bit more complicated and I'm glad that's not my job <laughs> to worry about all those well, numbers.
1: It probably won't uh, be Ken Holmes' job either. Um like I I don't we'll see him back up. This is this is his last year. I don't we'll see him yeah back i do reiterate that i've said this before i don't think ken holland's just sitting there checking his paycheck as people are like people are getting pissed off because ken holland's not making any deals especially with the goalies we need a goalie ken go get us a goalie it's not it's not that easy i guarantee you he's been looking at goalies he's been looking at every position a gm's job is to improve every aspect of his team uh you know forward defense and goaltending of course you're going to focus on stuff that you're struggling in so if goaltending for a while I'm sure he was on the phone all the time. Ken Holland is a winner. He's won Stanley Cups. He's not Winners are addicted to winning. They're, Ken Holland is as motivated as anybody on the Oilers to win a Stanley Cup. He would. Don't you think he would love to end his career as a winner, winning another Stanley Cup? The,
0: the one thing I think about often that I don't think most armchair GMs do is you know they see the player they want to get, but they don't see the cost of what it's going to take to to get that. And and so I think the job of a good GM is to always evaluate: is it worth the cost? You know to for yep. the get. And if it isn't, then you don't do it. And that's I think why not, n- nothing has happened yet. I um, I think the cost of of acquiring basically anything to solve that problem was more than than they were willing to play to pay and much more than what they were willing to pay. Um, right.
1: You're, so bang, you're I, bang on. You're like, you're yeah. bang on. Absolutely. So
0: I, so I don't think there was much even negotiating going on for any of that. I mean, they're looking into people. Yeah. Okay. But where Asking does it go? About people? Yeah. Where, where does it go from there?
1: Yeah.
0: And, and you know, if, if what, it, what you're going to bring back wasn't going to be better than Stuart Skinner, wasn't going to be really any better than Calvin Picard or Olivia Rodrigue, then, then don't do it.
1: You well, know. not for the asking price, right? And yeah. and, our, and the thing is, every team in the NHL knows that our goal tank is a question mark. So our asking price, like the asking price they'll ask the Oilers, is going to be different than what they'll ask from another team. Like, so if you see a trade where these guys picked up this goalie for a second-round draft pick, mm-hmm. yeah, well, I guarantee you that the asking price for the Oilers is going to be more than a second-round draft pick because they can get away with it because they know how desperate the Oilers were at that point. It's not going to be the same price every team yeah. paid for that position
0: i think other teams know too just how talented the edmonton oilers were and they don't really want to do a lot to to help the cause and no. uh and and create something that um isn't theirs you know they don't want to help us win um
1: no yeah you're right and yeah. uh yeah i agree with you the, the, the internet gms don't know that because they are just too busy going around i can't believe ken holland hasn't made a deal <laughs> Yeah. A deal right now to get somebody even of Stuart Skinner's caliber, what we'd have to give up would hurt us in other areas of our team and we wouldn't be making much progress. It's
0: like like, like my it's like my dad saying, Well, if the Oilers want to get any anybody, they gotta trade Zach Hyman. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Okay, let's just create a Grand Canyon problem for us (laughs) to fix another area. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, let's let's do that. Okay, great.
1: Okay, great. We got a goalie. Now we just lost thirty goals.
0: Yeah, and our forecheck, <laughs> you know, and our pushback, uh, you know, that's that's a big part of our game. He's been such a revelation here. I, you know, you watch him in Toronto, and you you knew he was a good player, but he's he's been you know twice the player he was in Toronto. Um, he's unbelievable. He's having a, just a f- wonderful season, and I'll keep going back to that tweet from that guy from Toronto, like. <laughs>
1: I have a, have a good time. friend in GP actually, who's a who's a big Maple East fan because he's originally from the Rock area, I sort of think, mm. and uh, and he said when he heard that the others picked up Hyman, like uh, he called me and he said, yeah, like and I knew who Hyman was because number one, you know, I can kind of show Maple, Maple East game every weekend, so I, like I knew he was a hard worker and could score some you know twenty goals or so here and there, uh, had that upside. He's like, you're going to fall in love Zach Hyman because night in, night out, he's the hardest working guy out right there. And they, you guys are lucky to get him. And I was happy that we got him, but I wasn't like sold on what a huge asset he would be, right? There yeah. and, and you're bang on. And so, and he said, he has said the same thing that you just said now. He's like, Hyman's actually playing better than he anticipated Hyman would play as an Oiler. And, uh, and he has been a revelation because he, like, he upped his game tenfold what he did in Toronto, and he was good in Toronto. The Maple Leaf fans miss him. And what he's doing here in the, in the blue and orange is just, yeah, that's next level.
0: Yeah. No. Thrilled, thrilled that he's an Edmonton Oiler. It's, it's, it's kind of like Shades of Ryan Smith with a better shot. <laughs> that,
1: that's not a bad comparison. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I think we've done all we can tonight, my man.
1: <laughs> you know what? It doesn't even matter there's two of us or there's four of us. That for me, the time always just seems to fly.
0: Yeah, um, any, uh, big resolutions?
1: Uh, yes, I, I made a resolution not to make a resolution this year. Oh, I, just, <laughs> I just fucked it up. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all of the day.
0: <laughs> you know, that's, that's probably some of your best material. I think if you've ever come up with there. That was, that was not bad. I think, I think the only one I really have is, uh, after some things this weekend went on, I want to be more present in people, uh, family and friends is, uh, life and, uh, and, and yeah, be more, live more in the moment. I think that's mine.
1: That's a good one. That's a great one. That should be, that should be everybody's actually. That's a, that's a good one.
0: Well, so I think we've done enough damage for one night. Um, <laughs> we will, uh, Bid you guys adieu, and we will hope the Weathers uh, extend this winning streak with a win over the Philadelphia Flyers tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. And uh, then they go again Saturday against the Sens at 8 o'clock, probably the late Hockey Night in Canada game. And we'll be back next Monday to talk about it. And then they uh, go to Chicago, going a little roadie. Good night, everybody. And uh, once again, keep your sticks on the ice. Keep reaching for the stars. Go Oilers, go. And here's your favorite cool-down music.